Uh, my breakfast. I just had a salad. I didn't eat breakfast. Just <gasps> I know. <laughs> yeah, I had a I had a salad. And it was really bad. Oh my god, that's amazing though. <laughs> what? You're like having. You're like eating healthy like that. Hello, I'm Rachel Handler, and welcome to Lady Problems, where every Thursday, me and a rotating crew of ladies look at the way pop culture is treating women in a given week, and it's almost always terribly. This week, Hazel Sills and I are co-hosting the show alongside Amani Al-Khattabha. Hello, Amani. Hey. Uh, so Amani is the founder and editor-in-chief of Muslim Girl, which is a website that works to combat stereotypes and raise the place of Muslim women in mainstream society. And her first book, also titled Muslim Girl, is out this week. And she also has a weekly MTV Snapchat show called Uncovered. Amani, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah. So the three of us are going to kick things off with a discussion of Amani's work, and then we'll talk about Trump and the psychological hoops that people are jumping through to keep supporting him and discrediting women. We'll also talk about Rose McGowan's call-out of Hollywood rape culture and answer a lady problem from a college student struggling with the tyranny of chill. So, Amani, I, I know you're part of the MTV crew, and you've also just published this book, so tell us about that. Yeah, I mean, it's been crazy being part of the MTV crew during this time, actually. Like, just yesterday, the Snapchat gave a shout-out to the book, and people were just sending me texts from it, um, you know, like, saying, like, oh, my God, you're on the MTV Snapchat and stuff. And I think that's really the sentiment, the overall sentiment that I've experienced over the past year since being with MTV. It's that a lot of young Muslims are just like, oh, my God, how is a Muslim woman, a veiled Muslim woman, represented in such a mainstream company like that? Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember uh, after, like, the first few Snapchat episodes, receiving Snapchats from, or receiving snaps, uh, I'm sorry, since it changed the name now. Um, <laughs> Wait, did they? Yeah. They ch- they're, like, this. Snap Inc. now. Oh, God. I know. It's just, it's it feels hmm. wrong. I feel so old. We're <laughs> <laughs> old. Yeah. But I, I just remember receiving so many snaps from um, young Muslim women being like, wait, how did you get there? You know, I never have seen a veiled Muslim woman in a space like that before. How are you, and oh, you're talking about Islam, you're talking about Muslims and our treatment in society. Um, and it's really just a testament to how excluded we've been um, mm. ever since 9-11 happened, you know, especially after 9-11 happened. Uh, it's like all we hear about in the news, in the media is who Muslims are, what they represent, what they stand for, but it's never Muslim women doing the talking. Uh, and, and for a lot of us, you know, it's made us feel really alienated from society, really outcasted and excluded. So, of course, you know, when we see someone like, like oh, my God, yesterday I went to Barnes & Noble and I found the book for the first time, like, on the shelf. Mm. And it hit me so hard because I was like, I immediately thought of all the little girls that are going to pass by this section and just see this book facing them of a veiled Muslim woman. And it says in huge neon letters, Muslim girl. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, you know, and, and that's really what we're fighting for. I, I just see these like little milestones as uh, symbols of progress happening. But it's really like the only the only way I'm going to feel that we have succeeded is when we've opened the doors for so many more Muslim women like me to enter these spaces as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, in terms of the way that relates to the election, I'm really interested in your perspective, too, because, I mean, Hazel and I have been talking about this. Like, we both feel very, like, personally attacked by this election. It's a triggering election. It really is. Raise your hand if you feel personally victimized by (laughs) Donald Trump. (laughs) Literally. Literally. Exactly. I love when we bring mean girls into (laughs) linking mean girls to Trump. Um, But, yeah, so obviously, you know, there's been more than 12 women who have now come forward accusing him of sexual assault. But he's also said a lot about the Muslim community. And so I'm curious how it makes you feel with these dual identities of being a Muslim and a woman. Those dual identities came to a head after the DNC. 
right, this year, like the Democratic National Convention, after Kaiser Khan and Ghazala Khan spoke to the conscience of our entire nation and really shook it that deep because they lost a son, a veteran son, to uh, to, to war, overseas, who was an American, an American soldier and who was also obviously a Muslim. Uh, and Donald Trump made these horrible statements about Ghazala Khan, the wife, the mother, uh, the woman, by saying that she remained quiet during this time because, you know, he insinuated that it was because of her religion, right? And just reaffirming this major stereotype about Muslim women. Uh, and it just shows his sentiments not just towards women, but also towards Muslims. It came at that intersection. Uh, and it's been very, very devastating, for us, uh, especially for Muslim women, especially for Muslim women that wear headscarves mm-hmm. that are so visibly different in public. Um, you know, like when he first made those comments last year, last December, about having a ban on all Muslim immigration, at Muslim Girl, we had to publish a crisis safety manual for Muslim women just to survive, wow. just to live their lives. This is how to navigate a crisis, right? Which w- at the time, was that was a crisis to us, that media frenzy. Um, and we told them, you know, we gave them tips, make sure before you leave the house to always have your phone fully charged in case something goes down, have these apps on your phone in case you need to report something. These are the resources you should look at. These are possible alternative ways to wrap your headscarf if you need to conceal your religion in public, if you live in an especially uh, tense town or, or neighborhood. And that's the level it's reached for us, you know, and, and we don't really talk about that, that on the anniversary of 9-11 this year, just several weeks ago, mm-hmm. a Muslim woman was set on fire in Manhattan, like in the streets of New York in the United States. We're not talking about a third world country here. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And it's just like something that we don't talk about. And it's it makes me want to really ask Donald Trump, like, is this what you wanted? Mm-hmm. Is this really the outcome that you have desired from making a statement like that? Because we're the ones bringing the brunt of it. And I feel like it is, right? Like, it is what he wants. I think he wants to breed that fear and that hatred. But it's not just breeding the fear. Like, I think one of the things that's so scary about, you know, the way Donald Trump talks about women in the Muslim community is that, like, uh, you can't just look at him and say, well, this is just what one man thinks. Mm-hmm. Like he's speaking to a huge portion of the country. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's, yeah. the, that's the scariest part is yeah. that every time we saw over the past year that every time he said something explosive like that, that was like super racist, he would like shoot up in the polls even more. Right. It's like, who are these millions of Americans that support these sentiments? Like that's what that's what scares me. He's honestly just a product of it. Yeah, Exactly. How do you, I mean, how do you talk about this, like, with your other, like, female Muslim friends? Brexit put so much fear into us because we were like, oh, my God, it's possible. It's possible for racism to win, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. is this what's waiting for us come November? Um, But for for many of us, it really has, the conversation has devolved solely to our safety, like the extent of the conversations that I have with my friends now, because they have become very, very exhausting to talk about Trump time and time mm-hmm, again. Mm-hmm. The extent of the conversations now are, are you safe? Are you okay? How are you doing? And we're all just, now I expect to get like a check-in text from my other like Muslim women friends. I expect also for myself to like reach out to them when something goes down in the news. Um, and it's sad. Mm-hmm. It's sad that that's the way we're living right now instead of thriving. Like all, this is this is how low the bar has been set. Like just... Have you have you gotten hurt? Have you gotten hurt today? Were you the victim of a hate crime? No. All right. It's been a good day. That's horrible. And it must be super frustrating, like you were saying, too, that this is like what people want to talk to you about. Yeah. Like even now, you know, the fact that you are like, this is like what we're discussing. No, I mean, I mean, 
I look for any opportunity to talk about it, to talk about the way that this is impacting us. If anything, that's really what the book is about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to really just show how connected it is. Because for most Americans, of course, they're so far removed from it. They hear this rhetoric um, and, and they, they either agree with it or they know it's wrong. But not many people understand how it manifests itself in our everyday lives, mm-hmm. just the way that we live, right? Like, like what I just said about our crisis safety manual, not many people would have made that connection to realize, you know, how him saying the things that he does about Muslims re- really surfaces just for, for us walking down the street in our own hometowns. Um, and, and I'm trying to make that accessible to people, to, for them to be able to understand what that experience is like. Absolutely. Yeah. And another thing we've been talking a lot about, too, is just how the sort of national dialogue around the way that women are coming out now against Trump and people doing these sort of mental gymnastics to figure out how to keep supporting him, you know, mm-hmm. by saying things like, oh, you know, she was too ugly to be raped mm-hmm. or, you know, women oh are doing this for God. attention. Are people saying that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know, I noticed that in one of these in one of these articles that were revealing uh, another accusation against him. The woman that they pictured, because she's just obviously an older woman. Trump is old. Like, how old is he? He's like 70 or something like that. So she, the, the woman that was in the photo, um, she was like pictured obviously at her current age. And then the caption was like, at the time of the like alleged like assault or whatever, she was like 20 something. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. as if like, oh, sh- yes, she's really old now and she seems undesirable. <laughs> but at the time she was young and like desirable. You know what I mean? Right. And they even included a photo of her like during that time when she was like really young and she was obviously like fabulous and, and all that stuff. And I was just like, what? the hell even mm-hmm. the the way that we're having these conversations is just so it is traumatizing like there's no trigger warning for women these days just about the way that we're being discussed in the public space you know a hundred percent yeah and that idea of just like trump speaking to you know ideas that a lot of americans have like i i i know that a lot of uh female trump supporters have sort of excused the way he talks about women uh by saying like oh you know i know a lot of men that talk this I way know. or the whole locker room talk yeah. which is i don't yeah. know what is going on in the locker rooms of America. yeah <laughs> like, I, I don't know how you can just write that off to like a gym room but right. whatever yeah yeah and then melania like w- spoke to cnn and was like oh no it's just boy talk don't feel yeah. sorry for me and i'm just like what there's such a problem in this country about the way we talk about consent and how we mm-hmm. teach young men young women what consent is and what mm-hmm. consensual sex is so when you have someone who's running for president who fundamentally does not understand what that means and doesn't think that it's important to actually learn what consent is mm-hmm. and own up to the times that he's, you know, fucked up, then how can you turn to, like, a 13-year-old boy and say, actually, this isn't okay yeah. when you talk about women this way or when you can't call a woman from but a car? But the president said it's okay. It, I like, mean, you know, yeah. like, what I is know. society going to become? You know, know. It's, oh, my God. Do you guys know people that are voting for Trump? I think I have some estranged relatives. <laughs> they're estranged now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't... They're not going to listen to this podcast. Right. Like, I don't really talk to them, and I, I think that they probably will. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I do. Yeah. Which makes me realize, yet again, that I'm probably surrounding myself in an echo chamber yes. on social media, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, like, it's like, all right, we know we don't want to associate with people that think that way. But at the same time, it's like... How are we supposed to pull them in? Yeah. How, do, do they want to even be pulled in? Like, you know, we missed that opportunity. And, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of shocked because, you know, one of the statistics that always blows my mind is that a majority, a whopping majority of Americans don't have a Muslim friend or have never met a Muslim before. Wow. And I'm just like, 
men, where are they hanging out that they're like <laughs> consciously avoid it? You know what I mean? But it's like, wait, I don't, I don't know anyone that's like voting for Trump. I mean, I guess that's a good thing, but at the same time, it's also like, how far removed are we from that? Then, mm-hmm. if we're like insulating ourselves from uh, like amongst like-minded people. Yeah, it's also like I. Uh, it's sort of this idea like, you know, do I need to reach out to those people? And and those are the people that you should be writing Facebook statuses to. Like mm-hmm. the people in your family are the the people on like the edges of your social life who yeah. who need to be given the facts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wrote, a, I wrote the angriest f- Facebook post of my life last week just so my <laughs> sister would share it because she goes to Miami of Ohio and I wanted her like Ohio – friends who are voting for Trump to see it. So I like literally bullied her into posting. (laughs) Share it. I was like, just do it. Your friends need it more than mine. (laughs) I mean, yeah. And I think, but I think what's also really upsetting too is that knowing that this isn't going to end with the election, like especially for you, Imani, like what you're talking about, this like anti-Muslim sentiment is not going to go away. Definitely. And and also one thing that I think is really important for us to acknowledge is that, you know, like I said, a year ago, we've had to publish this crisis safety manual for Muslim women. And it's like it took a year. And for these these allegations to come out from a white woman for people to actually get infuriated and right. enraged. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, now this is too far. But it's like, you know, like Muslim women have been getting killed on the street because of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And no one was batting an eyelash to it. And also, before he even made those egregious comments about Muslims, he made them about Mexicans first, right? right? He was saying that they're all like rapists, they're coming to our country, they're doing this, they're doing that. And it's like no one was no one was getting up in arms about it, but now suddenly everyone's just like, oh, he has taken it too far. Now we have <laughs> right. to say something. It's like for us, for people of color, we're like, oh, uh, yeah, man, we've been knowing this. Like, you know, get on, get on it. Um, so I think it's it, that's really interesting. And also that's something that I personally um, feel sad about because I was like thinking about it the other day. And I'm just like, how would I explain if I in the future, if I have a daughter, how would I explain this moment to her? Like, yes, my daughter, um, you know, you, people like us were getting very, very uh, targeted and attacked and no one cared until it happened to someone that didn't look like you. And then they cared, you know, and that's something to me that I think we need to change before before I I need to have that conversation. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, does it upset you? Like, I I feel like if that were happening to my community, like I would feel very angry at just like the world in general. Like, I don't know. How do you like go through your life not being like, well, fuck all of you because you'd only cared when this happened to a white woman? Um, Who says that I'm not? No, just kidding. (laughs) Totally kidding. Watch like the right wing people are going to take that that out of context. No, but like, no, I mean, um, it's because if anything, thing it's 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 a call to action it's like oh my god so many people are just going along with the way we're being misrepresented right now i honestly i i hold the media responsible for this i hold the media responsible first of all for perpetuating all these horrible stereotypes and misunderstandings Mm -hmm. about muslims that have allowed us to uh empower policies that have really really negatively impacted our community here in america and abroad in the muslim world but i also blame the media for the way that they let Donald Trump just literally hijack all airtime. Mm. Like, why? Why? You know, yeah. at one point, at one point earlier this year, Muslim Girl adopted a policy where we weren't going to cover Trump anymore. It was just like, F this. Like, we're yeah. not going to keep having to reaffirm our humanity to, in response to his comments over and over again, like we've had to do for the past 10 years. Enough is enough. We want to have the conversations we want to have. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't want to have to like talk about this man anymore that's obviously doing this for attention and stuff like that. Um, and for for a lot of us, it's like we, if anything, I think that this has presented an invaluable opportunity to connect with people from different communities. Um, because at the same time, 
this is the first time in my life since 9-11, when I was nine years old, it's the first time in my life that I've witnessed uh, an actual an actual shift to positivity in the mm. midst of this heightened Islamophobia. You know, like uh, civil rights organizations are saying that levels of Islamophobia haven't been this bad since immediately after 9-11. But at the same time, I'm visibly witnessing people take this chance to learn more about Muslims, connect with Muslims more. You know, like we saw, especially on, in the online space, so many articles about like, this is what Islam is really like. Like mm-hmm. three misconceptions you have about Islam or like da 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 and like profiling Muslims doing amazing things because we want to shift that narrative. Uh, and that's, that's a, I, I think, uh, an unforeseen result of this election cycle that I'm truly grateful for. Yeah. yeah. That moment uh, you mentioned where... Uh, you and your friends on the website said that you weren't going to cover Donald Trump, like you had to step you had to step back from the election. Uh, I know a lot of people like that who have to like they just can't watch mm-hmm. the election coverage or they don't want to watch the debate and they just need to step back yeah. for self care reasons, for triggering reasons. I mean, was Absolutely. there a specific moment for you where you thought, you know what, this I I know he's a presidential candidate, but I I can't entertain. His, yeah, his I, I think it had to be in the weeks after the Muslim ban comments. It had mm-hmm. to be. Because after that, like, we were just inundated, you guys. Like, and I'm saying not just not just in person, in real life, but also, like, the trolling online, like, this and that. And we're just, like, we were exhausted. Mm-hmm. We were mm-hmm. exhausted. It was taking... I remember at one point, like, there was one day where I opened up our homepage and literally every featured image in the latest article, uh, latest articles published online were all Donald Trump's face. I was just like, this website is looking way too orange for me right now. We need to stop. Like, you know, and we have to reshift the conversation. It's not about him. It's not. Right, right. And I think that's something we struggled with, too. Like, last week, we recorded the podcast before the debates. And we were like, do we need to do a special episode? Like, do we need to completely rejigger what we're talking about? And even now, we're talking mm-hmm. pretty much exclusively about Trump. And that's something that we keep talking about. You know, mm-hmm. we're like... How much of our time and our energy and our and our mental health do we need to devote yeah. to this man? He's literally just presented this new issue in our faces that we have to deal with, which mm-hmm. is the threat of our next commander in chief being mm-hmm. a racist bigot that doesn't know anything that he's talking about and has no policy experience. Mm-hmm. And it's like we have more important issues to focus on right now because we're supposed to be progressing. Right. You know, I thought this problem of like having to deal with Trump, like that's like 101. I thought that's <laughs> been in the past. Yeah. Like we've never, we'll never have to entertain this kind of problem again. But it's like now all of us have to divert all of our energy and attention onto this more crucial issue because, you know, he, he has made it socially okay. Right. He made it okay again. Something else, too, that I think is really, I mean, not surprising, but now Hollywood is getting involved, which is something that I write about in my column, too. Like Rose McGowan is asking people in Hollywood. She wrote an open letter asking people to report um, people, men specifically, who have raped women in Hollywood. She's like, you need to speak up. You're complicit. Yeah, she wrote she wrote an open letter. Um, Hold on. I'll pull it up. So she wrote, um, she posted it on Twitter. She said, to the men and women in the entertainment industry who know exactly whom and what I'm talking about, I say be brave. Do not work with those you know to be offenders or you, or you are no better than they. Take a stand. 
um, stop rewarding sociopaths. Basically, she's saying – so she started this out by tweeting that somebody in the industry had raped her and that her ex-boyfriend then sold their film to her rapist. So, <gasps> I mean, you can do wow. a little bit of, like, thinking to figure out who it is. It's really not that hard. But, like, she didn't say who it was. But she's basically asking people to come out and stop working with men who they know have necessary. done this kind of thing. Yeah. Absolutely necessary. Especially after the whole Nate Parker fiasco. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Um, So when I was at an event uh, like a month ago, Spike Lee was there. He was speaking. It was a segment that I was really looking forward to. And then the moderator, who was a black woman, she brought up Nate Parker. She asked him about it because, you know, it kind of took social media by storm that these allegations against him or that past allegations against him of a rape uh, that he had allegedly taken part of were coming to surface on the same day that his movie had dropped. Right. Um, And so she asked Spike Lee about it who is obviously very, very, very involved with the Black Lives Matter movement, with activism. He's very, very socially aware and woke and and whatnot. And then he says, um, you know, I can't really comment on it because I don't know too much about the case, but I will say that it's open season right now and any accusation against someone about abuse against a woman is is enough to, like, basically, like, put them away. Was he saying that critically or, like, he agrees with it? He was saying that in a way, like... Like almost like victim blaming again, oh. you know. It was kind of like it's. It was literally the same exact sentiment that so many rape rape survivors have have uh, been prevented from coming to light about their accusers for because they're just like, oh, I'm going to be accused of just like trying to cause trouble or like mm-hmm. it's like a fake accusation. No one's going to believe me, right? right? And he literally just discredited this woman. Jesus. Right. And like these allegations against him when like it happened, like the other people that were involved in it got charged. Right. Right. And it's like it just shows it was so blatantly clear to me that even especially within media, even the most socially conscious men, the wokest men that we can think of still have the same attitude towards women. And it really shows how women, uh, we all ourselves are just so united by this horrible like fight we have to put up. In every space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was just, it was really disappointing for me. Really that was. is really disappointing. I mean, I'm not surprised. One time I asked, I saw Spike Lee in his car outside of a Beyonce show and there were no Ubers. And I asked him for a ride home and he said no. <laughs> <laughs> so fuck Spike Lee. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. For the record. Yeah, just, you know, I already had bad feelings about him, so I'm not surprised. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I think, I think the question, too, is like how... You said it's like all women have to fight together on this, which I completely agree. And there's this question now, like how, you know, do celebrities need to speak out? There was an article this week about uh, in New York Magazine about do we need Taylor? Like, do we expect Taylor Swift to speak out because she has a big GOP fan base? You know, like, Mm. is it her responsibility to denounce Trump? Mm. I mean, I have really complicated feelings about uh, looking to celebrities for political guidance Mm -hmm. for politics. I don't know. Sometimes I I do think they should speak out because they have such a big fan base. But most of the time I'm very cynical. And I realize that, you know, a huge pop star like Taylor Swift, who, you know, is maybe in it for the money a lot of the time, like Mm -hmm. isn't doesn't want to alienate her fan base. So I don't know. I don't know. I don't think we should put a ton of pressure on them. But it's I don't know. It's it's something I have to deal with. And and I think about it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I just want to know so that I know who I should and should not support. 
That, that, you know, that's yeah. what I, mean, I just want yeah. them to expose themselves if they actually like have if they harbor those sentiments themselves because like does anyone does anyone remember the Selena Gomez tweet from the summer when no. she tweeted about, oh, about Black, Black Lives, Lives Matter, Matter. <laughs> yeah and she was like oh you should know that I don't take sides right. about like Black Lives it's like what sides are you talking about right. one is about civil rights like, and the and other evil. is about like racism <laughs> yeah you right. know um, and she just like got slammed for it but it just like went completely under the radar and people forgot about it mm-hmm. but it's like for me personally that obviously really shifted my perception of Selena Gomez like I'm not going to be like going to town for her or anything like that and it's like I want to know because these celebrities are profiting off of us like yeah they shouldn't be held to a standard more so than any other person just because they're famous but we do have to recognize that they're making millions of dollars off of us they are benefiting from a lot of social influence because of us so if anything like if they're taking it they're benefiting so much from it then they do have like some sort of responsibility that they have to meet that's a really good point yeah and I do think that people like Taylor Swift like she is very much profiting off of the idea oh, of feminism yeah oh my Quote, god right. feminist <laughs> exactly yeah, like you exactly. can't have it both ways like yeah. either you're like a fucking feminist and you're in it yeah. and you're going to speak up for women and you're going to be denounced the presidential candidate who's or been accused of rape mm-hmm. 12 times mm-hmm. or you're not so I, I mean it does upset me in her case specifically like if she's just going to be silent in general fine like just put your music out like do your thing but yeah. she, but she has a precedent of yeah. like using feminism only when it works for her yeah. yeah I do think though that there is a pressure on female celebrities especially with things like assault sexual assault to speak out in a way that men oh, for sure. don't have to. For sure. Yeah. But that's, I think, sadly, I just don't, like, expect anything. I know. Maybe I just, like, don't <laughs> expect it. So women need to right. band together. Yeah, and, yeah. So I, like, true. hold them to a higher standard. You know, women. Yeah, it's true. It's <laughs> No, it's true. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, then I know, obviously, there's no simple solution for this. But what's, like, a sort of diabolical solution? <laughs> Like, how do we fix this massive lady problem? I think you, you know, you can educate people uh, a lot more. You can stay here and educate people and educate young men uh, to not be Donald Trump. Um, Or you can just, like, crawl underground and live in a bomb shelter for the rest of your life or something. Okay, I like that. (laughs) Just, like, move to the woods without internet and just, like, don't talk to men and just, like, literally live alone with yourself. I don't don't know. I don't know what the solution is. Surrounded by your dolls. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Honestly, Trudeau has been just so welcoming towards us American. We're all going to go. He's really not that bad to look at, you know, for, like, like his addresses and stuff like that. So uh, I think think I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking up. Okay. I'm looking, right. looking at like some it. properties in different <laughs> we're, countries. We're, we're looking north a little bit, okay. you know? <laughs> so now Amani, Hazel, and I are going to answer our second Lady Problem Callers question uh, that comes from a young woman named Sarah who is having some college troubles. Uh, But before we do that, we want to just remind you that we're here to answer questions about your lady problems whenever you have one, whatever it may be. So call us at 205-677-5239. That's 205-677-LADY. And we are here for you. Now we'll let Sarah take the mic. Hi, my name is Sarah. I'm a college student, and my lady problem has to deal with my generation's hookup culture. I've been seeing this guy since the beginning of the semester, but we only hang out after a night of going out. I'll spend the night, but he recently started saying every morning, I hope you're not trying to reel me into a relationship. He'll laugh after he says it, too, to make it seem like it's not a big deal and somewhat of a joke, but I know that he means it. 
But the next night, they'll always text me to come hang out anyway. I know that I, along with many of my other friends, want to play the cool card. Our generation has created an issue where if we express our feelings or try and figure out what a relationship is, we are considered too attached or super unchill. In other words, it's better to pretend like we don't care and somehow this is considered fun. Please help. <laughs> Dark. Um, Well, I mean, the first thing that needs to be said, Sarah, is that this guy is a fucking asshole. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, but honestly, what if he's just saying that to see how she feels? Like, you know? Oh, that's very, very optimistic. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) He's just sensitive. (laughs) Like, he thinks of himself, he thinks of himself so highly that he's like, ugh. We slept together, so clearly you want to get <laughs> oh married. My God, right, right. Exactly. Like, I, chill. <laughs> Calm down. He should chill I know. more. Honestly, if anyone needs chill in this situation, yeah. it's maybe him. I agree. I mean, Hazel, you were the you were the closest to the college culture that she's <laughs> describing. So I mean, did you ever feel like this was like a thing? I know there's like this sort of fear mongering going on about like women and the way they hook up in, in college. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a thing. I I am personally team extremely no chill. <laughs> I have tried to do the chill thing before with guys. It's it, I just can't do it. Like I'm too, if I like you, I like you and I'm going to say it and I'm maybe going to be aggressive about it mm-hmm. if I, you know, like I'm going to lock you up in my basement and we're going to be dating. <laughs> with your dolls. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so... Yeah, it's definitely something that my friends have experienced where they're in these weird pseudo relationships where you're spending all this time with someone, you're sleeping with them, you're texting all the time, you're talking all the time, but like you don't have a relationship because I, I think everyone is just so afraid of yeah, and it's of such a feeling cop out. things. <laughs> it's such a cop out. It's like it's it's to it's just so like for for me, for example, I feel like guys are the ones that just benefit so tremendously from this hookup culture. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, it's like yeah, I'm gonna like get this girl or whatever, and like the girl's gonna become like emotionally attached and, and stuff like that, and they could just like leave and make the girl out to be the crazy one. Like, what are you talking about? We're not together. Like, I thought we were just having fun. Mm-hmm. It just really bothers me. Oh my god, like. This literally just happened to me a couple of days ago. Oh, my, you guys. I <laughs> texted a guy a compliment. Mm-hmm. This is a, I just texted him a compliment. And he goes, um, this is after, like, we had spent, like, the entire night hanging out and stuff like that. And he goes, uh, he sends me, like, a 300-word essay text message response about how, like, look, all right, I don't know if you do or you don't have feelings for me, but it doesn't matter. Because I can't be in a relationship right now. I've oh been hurt God. so many times. And like, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, <laughs> bro, my, my text to you was like one sentence. And it's a compliment I give to everyone. You know what I mean? Right. It's just like, oh, my God. But it just like really made it so apparent to me. Just like, why are why does everyone have all these like like walls up? And also just, yeah, it's the factor about like seeming unchill. It's like, all right, right. that? Because like after I got that response, in my head, I was just like, oh my god i'm never complimenting a guy ever again you know like that's it and it's just it's it's a good life rule i feel like right (laughs) just like blanket yeah yeah for real and that's the thing that gets to me the most is like all this like i i I remember when i was in college and one of my guy friends he um there's this girl that was like hitting him up or whatever and she sent him a message in response so she sent him a message again and then he looked at me was like Oh my God! She double messaged me. She just lost all of her dignity. How could she do that to herself? Jesus, right? And I was just like, I "Hate everything." What do you mean she lost all of her dignity because she messaged you because you're an asshole and you didn't respond to her? And she's like being nice and she like wants to talk to you. Like, what the hell, you know? Um, and yeah, I just I think it's like so fucked up, honestly. 
I mean, yeah. so Alana Massey, who's this writer, has this great essay against chill that I'm obsessed Love with. This essay. It's yeah. so good, and it's just basically a takedown of like chill culture, and as it relates not just to romantic life, but just every aspect of life, like not mm-hmm. giving, being like not too caring, cool. being too cool to yeah. give a fuck about anything. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I think like you, Hazel, I've been a lifelong unchill person. Like I'm extremely unchill, and I don't even have the option of pretending to be chill. So like, <laughs> I mean, Sarah, what I would say to you is just like, do you like be whatever unchill means? If even though you're not even being <laughs> whatever the fuck that means, you're not even doing it. But like, do you and find a guy who will like enjoy that about you? Like, I don't know. I've been dating the same guy for half of my fucking life, and he like loves that I'm unchill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you have to figure out what you want because you know sometimes. Girls, they don't want a label. They don't want a relationship. They are the ones in the yeah. situation who want to be more chill or be chill. Um, so you have to figure out what you want. And if you do want a relationship, just like you can't waste your time on dudes who who are just like, nah. Yeah. And, and also like – so the stark difference that I've noticed when it comes to this uh, for people that engage in hookup culture – is that for guys, they're always like they're they're very very conscious of uh, conscious of the fact that there's there's plenty of fish in the sea, mm-hmm. right? But like for a lot of women, the reason why it is so hurtful is because they obviously like develop feelings for like one person, you know, and they just they want to be with that person and stuff like that. And and for for guys, a lot of times they just like overshoot their like self worth and like their value and what they like bring to the table. And girls do the opposite where they undervalue themselves and they just like don't have that confidence. So mm-hmm. It's like I think that for us as women, we need to keep that in mind, too. You know, like literally, like, for example, that um, that night that I got that text message from that guy, that like essay or whatever, literally right after I got that text, I got a text from a guy that was like, he's like kind of famous and he was like hitting me up to like chill and stuff like that. And I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like back to back, like this is the universe being like, this guy is just like such an F boy, like don't yeah. talk to him, you know? And it's like, that's the thing. It's like you, everything happens for a reason. And if it doesn't work out with someone, literally, it only means it's because there's someone better for you. Yeah. And it's our responsibility to ourselves to recognize our self-worth and have respect for ourselves to be like, um, your behavior is not good enough and I don't need you. And there are plenty of fish in the sea ones that can treat me the way that I deserve to be treated. And I don't even think it's like a biological thing where women are like just getting attached. I think it's more like societal. Women are just sort of bred to believe that like yeah. they've got to like find one person or they're like yeah. slutty if they find if they yeah, are with more than one guy. And so absolutely. I think it's less like we're sort of you know, Hardwired. biologically. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. Exactly. It's yeah. like it's such it's a like just change you need like, to like change thing. your your own perspective, mm-hmm. Sarah. Okay, just remember there are plenty of fish in the sea for you. And this guy is a true fuckboy. And don't be chill. Chill sucks. Do not be chill. (laughs) Show up at his house at weird times in the night. In a face mask. (laughs) (laughs) That's what we're going to tell you to do. In defense of unchill. (laughs) It's it's Halloween soon. Have some fun with it. I don't know. Show up in a clown costume. Yep. Stand silently in his yard. I think this is what you need to do. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much to my partner in crime, Hazel Sills. And to Amani Alkatatba for coming and talking about all of this fuckery today. Uh, so you can find Amani's book, Muslim Girl, in stores, and you can find more of her work at MuslimGirl.com. And that's it for this week's episode. Remember to uh, look out for Amani's stuff and to stand in the yards of men uh, to while celebrate Halloween costumes. and frighten them. While wearing clown costumes. Exactly. That's what it's done. Extremely important <laughs> that you do this. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Woo!
This episode of Lady Problems was produced by Michael Catano, Mukta Mohan, and Kasia Mihailovic for the MTV Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at MTV Podcasts. You can subscribe to Lady Problems and all the other MTV podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you do that kind of thing. 